Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Colin Trevorrow wants to shoot in outer space. He wants to get real with this stuff. That's what he's saying. He's talking about that and uh, some other things. We've got the uh, audio highlights from his talk at uh, Sundance. He's talking episode nine. We also have... uh, What else do we have going on the show here? Ewan McGregor. Out and talking about his little vocal cameo in The Force Awakens. And that's been known for some time, but it's the first we've actually heard you and talking about it. So we've got that coming up. All kinds of things here at Rebel Force Radio. We are back this week for February 5th, 2016. And it uh, feels great to be back with the flagship show uh, just for you all. And uh, with me, as always, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Feels good to be back to the regular Rebel Force Radio flagship show here. We are, we're in the wake of The Force Awakens. And, we are. Uh, you know, it's still playing in a lot of theaters uh, local to me. It's still playing in IMAX 3D. It's still playing in the 4D theater up north. It's still playing at my local second-run theater. It's, it's, it's still all over the place. I, I think I have maybe... Three more viewings. I want to go see it at a matinee in my neighborhood theater and listen to our commentary while I watch it. <laughs> oh, that's what you want to do. Um, I, I do want to do that. I do want to do that. Now, we do have a Blu-ray release date on this. Um, I'm looking here. It, it was out. Let's see. I was hearing April 9th, right? Oh, no. April. I think it was April 5th. Is it April 5th? This, this was on, I thought that the... Release date was on Amazon. It was. It was. Now it's gone. Now it's gone. Yeah. It, it was leaked uh, a few weeks ago, um, and and uh, it seems like every time this April 5th date pops up, it disappears. <laughs> it, as soon as you click on the link, you might see someone on Facebook or Twitter sharing it saying, hey, it's it's official. Blu-ray out on April 5th. And then they have a link, and then you click on it, and it's like, dead end. This link, oh, sorry, you know, some kind of stupid thing. But, I mean, people are posting and then pulling it down, and Amazon is the latest. They posted the April 5th date for the Blu-ray, 
you know, your traditional Tuesday release. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Um, the Digital Bits has a little story on this. And, you know, the Canadian Amazon website, they've, got it, they've still got it up there as the fifth. You have the Canadians. Oh, sure, beauty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to they're, they're take it down. No, no problem. April 5th. Well, see, it is the 5th. I mean, wh- why do you want me to take it down? Yeah, you know, you'll, you'll be taking off your token, putting in the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, um, there's a lot to look forward to, though, with Star Wars. And uh, something that I didn't realize I was going to be looking forward to is the uh, Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. Oh, man, I haven't seen those. I, I used to love the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. That was so I, much fun. That is event television for my kids each and every year. They love watching the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. And uh, Star Wars author Adam Bray, who's a, oh, he's a buddy of ours here at RFR. And, and my God, could he put out more Star Wars books in a single year? One of the books he worked on is the great book, Star Wars, Absolutely Everything You Need to Know. Adam reached out to us and he said, hey, guys. Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know has been nominated in the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. So this is huge news. Adam says it's very exciting. He goes on to say, I've worked on tons of books, but this is the first time I've been nominated for an award. And he says that he and his co-authors would be incredibly grateful if we saw it fit to mention on RFR the nomination for that very book in the favorite book category on the Nickelodeon's Kid Choice Awards. So, yeah, we want to get the word out. We're Team Star Wars here at Rebel Force Radio. There's Adam tells us there's other Star Wars nominations going on in this actual award show. Daisy Ridley's up. John Boyega's up, Disney Infinity 3.0, and, of course, the movie itself, The Force Awakens, is up for nomination. So you can go crazy and actually vote yourself so Star Wars sweeps the Nickelodeon's Kid Choice Awards this year, 2016. You can vote on the official site, nick.com slash kids-choice-awards, and you can vote on Twitter, using the hashtags, hashtag KCA and hashtag vote Star Wars books. That counts when you vote for Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know. Adam Bray is asking you Rebel Force Radio listeners to stand up and vote early and vote often. Hey, we're a little bit late on this, but it's still definitely worth uh, mentioning. Uh, congratulations to the host of uh, Star Wars Oxygen, uh, along with you, Jim. Uh, David Collins, he got a mention in a Vanity Fair article back in December. And I had never, I have not seen this, and it just started popping up on Facebook. I think you were the guy that shared it. You stumbled upon this on, a, on total accident. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, this sort of snuck under the radar, you know, with all of the hype leading into The Force Awakens and everything going on here at Rebel Force Radio. We missed this story, but the headline on Vanity Fair is The Legacy of the Star Wars Imperial March Marches On. And it's a little uh, 
rundown over uh, where the uh, Imperial March gets placed within the uh, saga on a whole and beyond. And uh, they actually quote David in here. Uh, actually, they, they refer to some of the research he does. Uh, just to read a brief excerpt from the article, it says, Looking at the numbers, it may seem like viewers of The Empire Strikes Back are simply bludgeoned in the submission, replacing a far more brief and understated Imperial theme in A New Hope. Some form of the Imperial March plays, according to David Collins of the Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Oxygen, the music of John Williams' podcast. <sighs> <laughs> Around 35 distinct times over the course of the second movie. So, yeah, you know, David has done this amazing work. Uh, He created a private spreadsheet where he charts the instances every theme is used within the film itself. And it's an ongoing project, and David has put a lot of work into it. He, he, He makes reference to it on episodes of Star Wars Oxygen from time to time. And, uh, you know, maybe someday that actual spreadsheet will see the light of day. Uh, who knows in what sort of medium. Um, but uh, it's great to see Vanity Fair acknowledging the hard work David does on that podcast, Star Wars Oxygen. David does incredibly extensive research and it's not uninformed either because he is a music scholar and we're lucky to have him and his knowledge here in the Rebel Force Radio team. I can't go anywhere on Facebook without somebody popping up and saying, how much they love Oxygen, how much they love the work that David does and listening to you guys uh, break down the scores. I mean, it is just, it's, it's wildly popular. Uh, a friend of mine emailed me, and I, I, at first I was offended, but then I get it. He, he emails me and he goes, boy, you should really put Oxygen on its own feed. I go, well, what, do you, what do you mean? I'm on the other show. What do you? Are you? T- <laughs> I mean, that's why he called. He t- he he emails me to tell me that he would like to be able to subscribe to a Rebel Force Radio feed that does not include the shows that I'm on. Well, Bye-bye. you know, friends, uh, <laughs> friends come and friends go. Yeah, right. But uh, no, he was just saying that he had, and and I busted his chops. But he goes, he goes, no, he goes, I have a lot of really hardcore musician friends that aren't necessarily star Wars guys, but they love music and they love film scores. And I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to turn them on to this and I want them to listen to it. So he thinks, you know, that there's a market out there for, uh, you know, listeners who aren't just star Wars fans, but people that love, uh, you know, what the kind of stuff that David does, which is, you know, deconstructing these themes and motifs and all that. So, well, we keep the gold in the treasure for us Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah, We're right. not sharing. You got to support the wars if you want to be a part of this team. <laughs> and who doesn't do that already? So, right. yeah. Come on, get on board Star Wars Oxygen. They're noticing it at Vanity Fair, and they're noticing it definitely uh, online because uh, that show, like you said, Jason, mega popular. Check it out. People love to binge listen to. Yeah. Uh, 
to oxygen. And I'm seeing a trend. People are also binge listening to Star Wars influences with Paul Bateman. I'm, I'm starting to see some massive hits hitting that show as well. So it's great to know that uh, everyone's just enjoying the programming we got here at Rebel Force Radio, like I said, for Star Wars fans, by Star Wars fans. You know? Well, the beauty about those shows is they're so evergreen. I mean, you could listen to an episode of Oxygen uh, 50 years from now, and it's still just as relevant. Yeah, same thing with Oxygen. So, uh, great, man. Great. You know, David deserves all the recognition to see mainstream places like Vanity Fair notice. That's awesome. Thank you, Darren King, writer of that article. That's very cool. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. Colin Trevorrow at Sundance. Jimmy Mack was at Sundance once. A couple years ago, and there was nothing Star Wars going on. But uh, this year, he got the director of Episode Nine, and uh, he was uh, part of a really cool little panel about uh, the progression of uh, digital filmmaking versus old-school analog filmmaking with actual film. And uh, it was a very compelling panel he did in uh, at Sundance in Park City. And um, he was up there on stage with Christopher Nolan, who uh, I think is a, a pretty revolutionary and progressive filmmaker himself. He did those Batman movies. He did those Batman movies. Right. He did Inception. Oh, yeah, that one. It's, you know, quite. Leo. But uh, here, let me pull up some information here. Um, on I, Chris Nolan? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, on Colin Trevorrow? Yeah, I, I want to just, uh, because I, I want to take note of, of the people who are on stage. Oh, oh I, okay. That's irrelevant. Um, he was, so we, they were talking about, you know, the way that filmmaking is being moved forward, you know, in the technology. Yeah, realm. It, was, it was actually, it was a panel called The Power of Story, The Art of Film. Yes, and uh, Colin was there with Christopher Nolan and uh, Rachel Morrison, and moderated by Alex Ross Perry. I I apologize, I don't know either of those two ladies. Um, well, I, we, I, I shouldn't assume that Alex. Why well, is it that I hear the name Alex and I just assume it's a lady? No, anymore. Alex is a guy. Uh, Rachel Morrison was the cinematographer of Fruitvale Station, which is a film that came out a couple years ago, starring Michael B. Jordan. And oh, yeah, uh, right. he was going to be Boba Fett, right? There was. Remember a, that rumor? There was a rumor that Michael B. Jordan was going to be involved in Star Wars in some way, shape, or form. And yes, yeah, somebody did say that he was being considered for the new Boba Fett. That was that was really uh, strange. Um, he was fantastic in Creed. I did not see him in Fantastic Four, which mm. I heard was unfantastic. But. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely uh, great in Creed if, if you have the opportunity, if you're a fan of the Rocky franchise, that is a fantastic film. But so, uh, Colin, speaking out about the, the merits of, of using real film, and he goes on to say in this first clip that um, the human brain requires film to understand things that might be outside the realm of reality. He thinks that using practical film helps get across the message of 
something that might be unearthly, like a Star Wars film. Hmm. When you're talking about the, these kinds of movies where you're putting, where you're presenting people things that obviously you know aren't happening in our real world to present it in in uh to present it on film i I feel like it just does something to your brain and to your ability to to suspend that disbelief because it doesn't feel like it was made inside a computer it you know it feels like well the you know the light bounced off those raptors and traveled you know in here and and now is you know and hit the silver and and that's the i don't know there's I, i i definitely i struggle not just with with period films that are shot on digital as far as feeling like uh, that they were real uh, and, and part of my memories. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, I feel like when, when I think of my dreams, they were, they were on film. My dreams are shot on film. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You know, my, my, my dreams are shot on um, that real bad video that, like, old sitcoms were done on, where it looks a little too clean. My dreams are all in 8-bit, and I look like Mario. <laughs> That's very trendy now, though, right? With the whole Minecraft thing. Oh, well, you know me. Nothing but trendy. Um, but, but so Colin, you know, yeah. he definitely... He makes good points. He makes a good point. He yeah. says, that, you know, if you're trying to present something that's out of this world, mm-hmm. if you use digital, it comes off as more synthetic. He believes that the reality is within the actual film itself. And that is something that obviously most filmmakers believe because if they didn't, you would have seen a complete trans transference into f- digital. And you don't see that because filmmakers consider the film itself to be the canvas upon which they they, they right. place their artwork. And Spielberg right. has talked about the organic nature of film. You know, film is by, you know, virtue of what it is, it's, it's organic, the chemical process. So he believes that that is, is part of the art. So Colin, uh, you know, he, he displays his love for filmmaking and the traditional style. And so that leads us up to some discussion about Star Wars. And Colin does confirm that episode nine Folks, we're not even talking about episode eight right now. We're, t- we're jumping forward and talking about episode nine. Colin does confirm that it will be shot on film. Star Wars gets back to, a, a, you know, I, my issue about shooting digital for period films. Like, I could never shoot Star Wars on anything but, but scope 35 and 65 because it's a period film. It happened a long time ago. There you go. <laughs> Was that Rachel Morrison? That was Rachel. Okay. Rachel, you know. Or goat boy. Somewhere <laughs> um, <laughs> But there, there, Colin is saying that definitely uh, yeah. he's going to be shooting on film. He, he gave you a good reason for why he's going to, and uh, he puts it out there, you know. Well, that it's a period film. And, you know, I, I, I get he, he's, he's being a little tongue-in-cheek there with a long time ago in Galaxy Far, Far Away. But, you know, we've, we've had... Um, Sam Witwer on the program many times, and Sam talks about the style of acting is very much uh, of a period nature in Star Wars. And so you could look at it that way, too. Star Wars does have sort of that period film uh, kind of vibe to it. Obviously, J.J. shot Episode 7 on film, and uh, Ryan Johnson shooting Episode 8 on film. So I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion. And knowing what an outspoken supporter 
of filmmaking, of shooting on film, Colin is. I, it comes as no surprise. I love the little glimpses into his sense of humor. I don't really know much about Colin. You know, I, I've seen a few of his films, obviously Jurassic World, but I've never really got to know him as a personality. I've never sat there and watched interviews with him or any Blu-ray bonus documentaries or anything like that. So this is really my introduction to him. And this uh, talk that they did at Sundance was really compelling. And I got to admit, I did enjoy it a lot. Toward the end, they had a Q&A, which is tradition at these types of events at Sundance. And someone got up and started asking them about, you know, just uh, different advances that they can make creatively with film and how to sort of push push it into a, a, a different area outside the box, how to be more creative with film, how to advance the actual art itself. And it leads into a, a very technical conversation among the filmmakers. By the way, if you are going to track down this video, it is on YouTube, and it is very technical um, at times. But coming out of a lot of that techno babble, uh, Colin reveals... A very, let's say, out-of-this-world request he made about an element he wants to shoot for Star Wars Episode Nine. And Jason, of course, you teased it at the beginning of the show. But let's hear the conversation as it went down. Colin Trevorrow trying to really push Star Wars filmmaking into outer space. Working as hard as you can to find... Uh, ways to use film to create an experience that you can't capture anyone else. Here's a sentence that was actually said out loud, which will sound crazy. Uh, I asked the question, is it possible for us to shoot IMAX uh, film plates in actual space uh, for Star Wars? And, and I haven't gotten an answer yet, but I, I know, that, I mean, they, they've shot IMAX in space. Well, we, yeah, funny enough, we had that <laughs> and conversation like, on Instagram. Yeah, and be, the be crazy. Was, well, the payload, you yeah, know, you are in this, but no, you keep keep. The it. questions are being asked. Oh yeah, I mean those those cameras. I mean you've probably seen the the footage, but there's incredible footage from space with those film cameras, and there's nothing they can do now to. I think we need you guys to figure that out before we can start shooting movies on location in outer space. <laughs> Sounds it. Star Wars in space! For sure. And you hear Christopher Nolan mention, you know, hey, that actually was brought up while he was making Interstellar. <laughs> and yeah. so this is something that has not been denied of Colin. And, you know, Paul talked a lot about the star field that we see during the opening crawler for The Force Awakens. And somebody like Paul Bateman, who pays great attention to visual design and things of that nature. He sees things that the normal film goer doesn't. And I think he noted a lack of depth in that opening shot. And uh, it, it just felt maybe a little flat to Paul. I don't, I don't mean to put words into Paul's mouth. You can hear him talk about it on the, uh, on the uh, Star Wars Force Awakens uh, roundtable and, of course, on Star Wars Influences we did just release a, a show with Paul talking in great detail about all sort of things having to do with The Force Awakens. Um, but, you know, to, to think about the possibility of actually having real space represented in a Star Wars film, you would have that depth. And he's talking about shooting it with IMAX cameras. And that has been done before in the past. So the technology is there. 
will we actually be seeing real space in a future Star Wars film? I think absolutely yes. Why not? Oh, I think it, it's a, a done deal. Because, because I, I, you know, even if it's doesn't result in anything all that astonishing to look at, it's a great PR, you know, uh, move. Uh, the first Star Wars movie to be shot in space on location on <laughs> on location exactly. Uh, so yeah, it makes it makes a ton of sense. And perhaps the reason Colin hasn't heard back is because they're trying to find a way to make it work. Yeah, he's trying to work with NASA. Hey, can we tag along next time? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's for Star Wars. Well, George could have done that. He could have done that if he wanted. He could have been one of those crazy billionaires that takes a ride into outer space. Yeah, but George was more concerned with creating the universe in house. <laughs> in house, yeah, right. Yeah, not on location. That's for sure. Uh, hey, by the way, um, speaking of uh, doing uh, miraculous things in in filmmaking, uh, the way that they were able to bring back uh, Obi Wan Kenobi for Ray's vision in. The Force Awakens, uh, you know, there was there's so much that goes on in that sequence. I mean, we talk about Maz Kanata's uh, castle sequence being so fast that but this this dream sequence, this vision sequence has got a lot of people talking, including us here on Rebel Force Radio, because we, we feel that there are clues buried in that about who Ray is and w- what's in Ray's future. And one of the more interesting moments in that whole sequence is when we hear the voices of not just uh, characters in the force awakens, but voices of the past, including Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. Yeah. What an overwhelming moment that is to see that scene and to be hearing all that stuff for the first time. I didn't pick up on any of it. (laughs) Let let me just tell you that. No, I didn't either. It seemed like it just happened so fast. It wasn't until I went back and saw the film, you know, second, third time, and maybe was a little more educated. You know, keep your ears open here because you're not hallucinating. You are hearing what you think you're hearing, and really you can pick it all out. And there's there's a lot to pick out of that moment. And, uh, And, yeah, you actually hear... Ali Guinness return of the Star Wars universe. So just recently, Ewan McGregor was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And this very subject came up because Ewan also was the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Force Awakens. And uh, it was great to have Ewan out there. He's, he's out publicizing whatever new flick he's in now. And uh, so uh, he uh, rode his motorcycle over to Jimmy Kimmel Live and uh, popped in. And uh, Jimmy, I think Jimmy Kimmel is something of a Star Wars fan. He did a great job with his coverage leading up to the release of uh, The Force Awakens. Actually, I think his show was the only show that really had the full cast on. And uh, that was a fantastic show. If you can catch any clips of that on YouTube, check it out. But here's Ewan McGregor on Jimmy Kimmel Live just recently talking about his voice being in The Force Awakens. Most people, by the way, don't know that you are. I learned this today. I didn't realize this, that you're in the... Ex-heroin addict. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. In the new Star Wars movie. Yes. Which yes? How many people have seen it? Now, how many of you remember seeing you in, in the movie? Okay, now you—they uh, just really gave themselves. Away, they're lying. They? Yeah, you're lying. <laughs> Uh, because you're you're a voice in the movie. Yes, I recorded a line for it. It was it was very late in the day. 
I'd been waiting for the call to come for two years. Oh, know. really? <laughs> like, I, I, maybe they've lost my agent's phone number or something. <laughs> and then uh, I got a call very, very, just shortly before it was released by JJ, and he, he asked me to come in, and he said, I'd love you to be a part of it and love you to be in it. And, um, and there's a sequence where we can use a voice, like we hear Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice coming from the distant reaches of the Force. Or wherever it does oh, come yes. from. Oh, yes. I know. Okay. And, um, and so I, I, I was like, yeah, I would love to be in it. I've just been waiting for your call. And um, I went in, and I, I, I was able to see some of it before anybody else had seen it. And I was very impressed. And, and uh, yes, I recorded a line for it. And they did a melding of yes. your voice and Alec Guinness's yes. voice. The line is Ray. Ray. <laughs> I've got to try and channel him again. Yeah. Ray, these are your first steps. These are your first steps. But they used, they got Alec Guinness to do Ray, which is extraordinary because he's not alive anymore. But they found... <laughs> JJ is really impressive. Yeah. Amazing what they can do these days. But they found, uh, they got a line of him as, Alec, as Obi-Wan Kenobi saying afraid. And then they just cut the A and the D off it and they got the Ray. And then they used that. So Alec Guinness is saying Ray. And then I say, these are your first steps. All right. <laughs> We're going to put it to the test. I love that story. And this is a story, Jason, that we heard back in uh, December. It's great to hear it from you and McGregor. Oh, of course, He's yeah. the one you want to hear it from. But actually, uh, our buddy uh, Anthony Bresnikin over at uh, EW, he, uh, he was able to uh, talk with J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, shortly after the release of The Force Awakens. And J.J. did reveal to him, you do hear a little bit of Yoda, during that sequence, you hear Luke yelling out, no, from that moment in Empire. And you hear Obi-Wan say at the end, Ray, these are your first steps. Now, the cool part is they ask Ewan McGregor to come in and do the line, as you heard Ewan just explain. But after they recorded Ewan, they were working on editing the dream sequence, if you want to call it a dream sequence. Uh, Brian Burke, a longtime bad robot collaborator and one of the producers on the film, as we know, surprised Abrams one day with the gift of a single word. Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice saying the name Ray. J.J. said, that's cool. Is that the thing from Ewan McGregor? And Brian said, no, they took the line from Alec Guinness saying, afraid. So that started us, uh, you know, with the... Uh, our, our Rebel Force Radio Jedi Council. We read this uh, article and we started emailing each other. We started a new email thread to discuss this incredible news that broke over the holidays. And I said, where did they get Alec saying afraid? Is it from Star Wars or is it from just some other random Alec Guinness movie? And Jason, I know it. you knew right away, Jason. Yeah. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Yep, that's it, all right. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. So, okay, so there we have Alec Guinness saying... Don't be afraid. Afraid. Let's isolate that. Can you hear that okay, Jason? I can. I can hear it great. So let's... Afraid. Afraid. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've been wanting to deconstruct this for a while. So I've really, uh, you know, saved it for, for this show. So here I, I have my editing software open. Don't be afraid. Okay, there's afraid. Afraid. All right, let's, let's isolate the word afraid. Afraid. 
Afraid? Afraid? All right, easy enough, right? Mm-hmm. So, so let's just take away the A and the F, and let's just take it to the end here. You know, they, they had it better than I did. They had the dry vocal tracks. I'm getting some music here on this and everything, but let's just see what I can do. Here's here's a sure. here, here's So I've removed the A and the F. What do we get? Raid? 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 Are you in Raid or Raid? Raid, Raid. Yeah. Raid? Like, all right, like well, bug spray. All right, let's take away that D. And uh, let, let's hear it now. Raid? Well, it's a little clipped, so I don't like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loosen it up just a little bit. Braid? Braid? All right, so what I can do then is I can sort of fade out the end of Ray, or Raid, as we're hearing. And then I'm going to put this, here, let's just see what I got right now. Braid? Braid? All right, I think we're getting closer. Oh, yeah, sounding like Ray. Braid? 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 All right, now what they did, they, they added a lot of reverb to it and stuff. Let me just isolate this track here real quick. I'm going to bounce it off into its own track so I can get away from all the uh, other dialogue. There it is. Brain? Brain? Okay. Now, see, there's that music and everything. I'm going to I'm gonna remove that at the end, and I'm going to add some reverb here. Let's go to the old effects and add on some reverb, as they like to call it. i got to boost that volume a little bit, and i got to fade out that reverb right there at the end. And let's see what it sounds like. Bray? 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 These are your first steps. Bray? There it is. That, that's that the is one. The, that's All right. One. Bray? There it is. Bray? So you could have given that to JJ. Didn't take Brian Burke. Look at that. What did that take me? About a minute? Bray? Yeah. Ray. So Alec Guinness in The Force Awakens, even for just one word. Bray? 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the projector's bust. Imagine being stuck in that screening. But so how cool is that? You know, that, that was really exciting for me. I, I've been wanting to deconstruct that for a long time. So, uh, yeah, a long way to go from uh, come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. And then, yeah, just uh, really clever um, and, and very uh, cool the way they did that. So uh, uh, great to hear him talking. You know what else was uh, also revealed, though? Jason, uh, yeah. in, in that uh, Entertainment Weekly interview with uh, Bresnikin was the fact that Frank Oz also popped into the recording studio. And uh, they were considering actually uh, having a unique Yoda scene or at least some sort of Yoda flashback or recall or... Mm. overdub or something and they recorded some fresh dialogue with frank oz they ended up using some older stuff do you recall what they actually used of frank i you know i i don't i'm trying to remember now what we hear yoda saying in the dream sequence but his voice is in the dream sequence i assumed since we knew that ewan had done what he did um that what Frank recorded was for The Force Awakens, but maybe not. Um, maybe it's something that they're just holding on to. Speaking of Frank, you know, last week on uh, Rebels Declassified, we were talking about that line of dialogue where he uh, says something about, how do I choose to win? 
Oh, right. Yes, yeah. yes. A lot of listeners have, uh, have, have told me to go back and listen a little more closely to that actual line of dialogue. How did I choose to win? What he's actually saying is, how did Jedi win? Not how did I win. How did Jedi win? Hmm. And, hmm. And, and then when I listen to it with fresh ears... How did I choose to win? Yeah, that's what it sounds like he's saying. But it really does sound like, you know, just on first blush that he's saying, how do I choose to win? Right. Yeah, but how, right. Did, how did Jedi choose to win? Oh, uh, well, well, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, we'll find out when the episode airs. We'll find that out. Maybe he'll just say... Bray, 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 Bray. Right. All right, all right. All right. But so, so the Yoda dialogue was recorded, not actually used. There was a decision during the editing process where a lot of this story was being put together. Let's face it. Mm. You know, we are hearing a lot of stories about the plot of this film and some of the general motivations of characters being completely changed in the editing process. And I think the making of book that will eventually come out later this year is going to reveal a lot of interesting things. A lot of 11th hour decisions being made about this film. And even the name itself might have been something that came in the 11th hour. It was not that long ago that we were at Star Wars Celebration and still seeing the name Kira on some of the uh, concept art. Oh yes. Around Ray. Oh, so yes. we know that Ray originally was going to be named Kira and that's in the uh the art of the Force Awakens book you can see that and there's but uh right. so yes I mean even even then there were still considerations about her character's name. No question about it. No question about it. All right. Before we uh, go any further, I do want to take a stop and give away something. Let's give away some little Debbies. How about some sweetness? Perfect timing, Jason. I'll tell you, my sweet tooth is on fire right about now. And, uh, you know, people who listen to this show know how much we love Little Debbie and how we consider it to be the best snack out there. And that's why we talk about it each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio. That's why we're giving away Little Debbie each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio in the form of Little Debbie Galactic Snack Packs. So, uh, you know, um, Little Debbie loves Star Wars fans, and they're always using us here at Rebel Force Radio to thank you guys for being such great supporters of the Star Wars saga. So we're combing the social media all the time looking for references to Rebel Force Radio and our pals at Little Debbie. And the one I came across today, Jason, is from Rebel Ace on Twitter, who says, uh, I had a really crappy week, guys. Only a little Debbie Galactic snack pack can make it better. I really need some sweetness. We hear you, man. I mean, this time of year, we're, we're in the dead of winter. It, it, it's hard to get, you know, motivated sometimes. I motivate myself with awesome treats from Little Debbie. And now Rebel Ace is going to be able to do the same because a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack is coming to his house. Now, of course, what you have to do is you have to be present to win. So you need to email us your your shipping address to show at rebelforceradio.com. Show at rebelforceradio.com, Rebel Ace. Send us your address and we will make sure a little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack shows up at your doorstep and you're going to love it because Little Debbie is the official snack of Rebel Force Radio. 
All right, we have talked to a lot of people since the release of The Force Awakens, getting people's uh, initial thoughts, their analysis, their speculation. One guy in particular we haven't spoken to yet, and shame on us. We're going to rectify that right now as we go in the cantina with the one, the only... Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to Steve Sansweet. wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Rancho Obi-Wan. I want to go back. I'm going back this spring. There's Steve. I think we have Steve. Steven? Maybe. His headphones aren't plugged in. Oh, that's a nice picture of him. It's a really nice. Look at that nice avatar. That's a really nice picture. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. With the beard? Yeah. With the beard. He went through the beardless phase there for a little while. Remember that? He brought it back. I remember that. Yeah. He brought it back. He, he brought, brought it back. back. Well, it's just, it's so iconic. It's, I, I, it's you know, I started, I started the, the whole internet hashtag thing, you know, bring back the beard. And yeah, right. He crumbled under the pressure. Plus, he got sunburn a lot, too, which is. Well, yeah. A lot of people don't know that. He's very fair skinned. So the, the beard is, uh, it's a protective device. <laughs> Against violent ultraviolet rays. Well, violet. you have that out there in California. Violent ultraviolet. That's that's a good band name. Violent ultraviolet. Yeah, that, yeah. that's actually Steve's band. He plays. <laughs> uh, he does like that funky slap bass too, which is badass. Yeah, I, I thought he played keys. He does both actually. Oh, okay. He plays the bass with one hand in his left foot, and then he plays the keys with incredible his right hand in his right foot. Amazing. It's revolutionary, actually. Well, well, I I hear him faintly. That's the question with Steve. Is he still breathing? That's the most important thing. Is he, I, I hear him saying hello, but it's so faint. I know he's there. I know he's I'm, there. There I'm, he is. Is that better? That is much better. Oh, jeez. Yeah, know we what... couldn't hear you at all. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all just... I can see for Jason is a, this blue thing with two little white things. Well, I don't, have, I don't see a picture. Uh, I've changed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had an operation. <laughs> actually, actually, Steve, we were just calling to see if you've seen any good movies lately. Oh, I haven't been to the theater for about six months. Oh, oh, really? Well, <laughs> I got some news for you. <laughs> I almost yeah. believe Steve. Steve is not a, a fan of going to movies. This did, I know. Did I, well, listen. For, for my job at the Wall Street Journal when I was when I was covering the movie business, it was like three movies a week, and some mm. of them were just painful to sit through and hard to walk out of because the people that you the industry that you covered was watching you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that a lot of people would assume that if you're if if that's your beat and your job is oh wow his job is to go see movies, yeah, probably what one out of five are really good if that. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to sit through the stinkers. Oh, yeah. And write about them. And there was one, and I really can't remember what it was that we walked out on. It was so <laughs> bad. It was so bad. And then there was the time that um, that at Universal where they, they accidentally uh, misplaced one of the reels. 
Oh, it was Radio Land Murders, and they went from no. Real Five to Real Seven, and then it stopped. And this PR lady came out and said, um, "We've had a slight problem. Um, uh, they forgot to send us Real Six, but let me tell you what's in it." <laughs> what's Which What's was, amazing though is 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 the story actually played out better that way. <laughs> Uh, it, it saved us. It saved us about 20 minutes of grief. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Land murders. Definitely not one of the, uh, high points. Uh, no, it didn't work. But the force awakens sure was for me. Wow. All right. Let's talk about it. Where were you when you, well, you went to the premiere, so you saw it with, <laughs> well, we were, everybody. we were surprised at the, at the, at the last moment we were down, uh, uh-huh. doing a show for target at uh, an area called L.A. Live across from the big arena and show place, the Staples Center, where they were running three shows daily of Frozen on Ice. Right. Oh. So uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds a little weird. Yeah, well, of course it's Frozen on Ice. <laughs> and, so, um, and so there were these big um, uh, uh, dome tents, and we had one for Rancho Obi-Wan and it was great because over the just the two days we had more than 6,000 people walking through and Target built these beautiful displays and since we were down there hmm. um, good old Pete Vilmer who was uh, uh, head of fan relations and, and works at Lucasfilm PR uh, had invited us to sit in the stands they were they had some you know stands on the at the very end of the red carpet before this giant building they built a three block long building that covered hollywood boulevard and also had entrances into the three major theaters the chinese theater the el capitan which disney owns and um the dolby theater uh, where the academy awards takes place yeah this was really incredible it was it it was right down uh right down hollywood boulevard you've seen the video it's amazing seen the video so but what i what i haven't heard anybody really say is what was in there what when you walk down that three block long building what was in there um, they were selling Mickey Mouse uh, ice cream cones. No, 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 no. no. Uh, you know what? Had... <laughs> I buy that. <laughs> no, they had all kinds of. Uh, they had all kinds of displays. They had some of the costumes on models. They had. Uh, they had places for you to play uh, Battlefront. They had places where there were some uh, Lego things that you could put together. Uh, there was a whole little area where you could put together the um, the uh, Disneyland Disney World uh, droids, you know, in the little oh, with yes. the little pieces. Build the droids. Um, there were yeah, the build the droids. Uh, lots of food and beverages, and then of course they had at the very end the roped off VIP area for all the celebrities. And um, in return for us freezing our bupkises off uh, for several hours in the stands and and seeing all the celebrities arrive, which was which was really great. Um, uh, And I and I was sitting like on the end. So I was right above David Collins interviewing um, a lot of celebrities and, you know, Matthew Wood and David Court and. But but a lot of the other people stopped over, and so I could harass him while he wasn't on uh, being taped. That was fun. 
And um and I waved to George and he waved back. That was exciting. Really? Which finger? Uh, Which finger? Uh, Which finger did he wave back at you? What? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm thinking about when I waved to George. Sorry, Steve. Go on with your story. Harumph. Got <laughs> <laughs> harumph by Sansweet. And um and then but we didn't know until that day that we we would actually be getting into one of the screenings. And that was I mean that that was they wanted to keep everything top secret even from us. So it it was a good possibility but not assured. And but but sitting out there was the coldest night in LA, you know, I think it set a record for the coldest night. It was like thirty degrees uh, out there, I mean which is was, unusual. It was frigid and yes. so it was just so wonderful to get in. And then um people got tickets to the different theaters. It was sort of a random kind of thing, and we got into the Dolby. Um, which is not really a movie theater, although they have obviously a giant movie screen. But this is where they did the main presentation where George was seated next to um, uh, Steven Spielberg wow. and where J.J. Abrams did the introduction, introduced all the celebrities. I mean, Harrison came out, Max von Sydow, Peter, um, just all the new stars and the longtime celebrities uh, Bob Iger was out there. I mean, so it was great. The one problem I had was because this is not set up as a movie theater and I was sitting on the third row right, no. I had some problems understanding the movie. And so I had problems here understanding Kylo Ren in the mask. Oh, interesting. Um, and, Very interesting. And so while I loved the experience, I was still a little confused because i felt i missed part of the movie and then of course thursday night a whole bunch of us went down to the our downtown theater in petaluma uh for the opening show which was at 7 p.m and saw it and it was perfect sound and perfect video and 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 that really cemented the deal for me i i really you know i've seen some of the criticism and oh yeah there was repetition and why did you know the typical kind of thing where you're always going to get star wars fans to disagree with things but you you look at the rotten tomato critical feedback and i felt the same way i love the movie uh i saw it in 3D with those 4D seats that that rock you all over the place and Ooh, yes. um and that was fun um and so it's just to me it was a fun movie that brought back a lot of the feeling I had when I saw the original Star Wars now nothing is going to top seeing Star Wars for the first no, time no of course not but this this was a it, uh, well, Steve, what about I mean, people who... Anna's seen it six times already. Ah, she's um, the best. What about kids who are seeing it for the first time, though? I mean, how, how do you think this impacts the new generation of Star Wars fans? I, I, think, I think it really does. I think, I think it was made to both, um, to, to both capture the existing fans who know all the Star Wars stuff, but also it, there was enough in there... Um, that was so not to confuse the kids who were seeing it for the first time. I'm sure a lot of those kids, um, before they saw it, mom and dad showed them at least episodes four, five, and six. And so they knew who some of these people were. Jason did with his daughter. I did indeed. Yeah, I made that. That was the rule. She wanted to see it because all of her little cousins were going. And I said, okay, but the cost of entry. 
is you have to sit with me and watch episodes four, five, and six. And she well, did. That was, the worst, that was the worst part. Well, because I was there. Right? Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a long time with Dad. But she saw it, and she loved it. And, I mean, just tonight we were playing with her little Ray action figure. I mean, she's such a fan. She sleeps in Ray pajamas. It's just it's am- it's amazing. And what, it, what a kick it is for me as a dad to watch this happen. But, but Steve, the one thing that I found remarkable about this whole – uh, holiday season uh, and, and and the release of the film is it really was like a time warp. It was like going back in time. I can't, I, I've never seen Star Wars this popular since the eighties, the, the early eighties. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, Jason. It was, it was a, a, a warp. I and mean, even with all the excitement and all of the buildup after the trailer came out for episode one in November of um, 98 and, and there was all this excitement and build up. And then we know that there were a lot of people who were less than thrilled with episode one when it came out, but still, and there was tons of merchandise out there. There was nothing that compared to the kind of very clever, I thought, build up by Disney and Lucasfilm on how they marketed it. It, uh, about, Two weeks before it opened, I said, uh, I think we've peaked, guys. But that was my personal opinion. Um, it, when I saw two different car commercials in a row that had nothing to do with Star Wars but were Star Wars, clearly, and, <laughs> yes. had, the, and had the thing on the end. But two different manufacturers in a row, and one of them was clever and one of them was, eh. um, And I thought, okay, peak. Um, but other other than that, other than that, I mean, I thought the the marketing campaign was great. The the way they snuck things out, yes. um, how they did it, um, the, the the Force Friday thing. I you know, the, I'm, I still don't get unboxing. I'm sorry, but I don't <laughs> get why people get so excited about that. But that's me and my age. And I mean, I get excited when I open a box, but you know. Why would anybody else? Well, Steve, have you, Steve, have <laughs> you ever considered? A box? Have you ever considered jumping into the ring? I would love to see Steven Sands. Yeah, we're we're boxing. we're going to do some unboxing of you stuff. But I'm not sure as what it is. So oh, you should. We will. We will be doing that <laughs> mystery but, unboxing. But mystery unboxing. <laughs> and now that I'm thinking of some of the things that I order, we better peek first. <laughs> hey, hey, Steven. <laughs> Especially if we're doing Periscope. (laughs) You know, Steve, quite honestly, you've done an unboxing video with with Swank and myself last time we were out there. Yeah, the wooden bantha rocking horse. That's true. Well, Does that count? That counts. That does count. Yeah, you guys need to. Oh, my goodness. You know, now we have a 3,500 square foot warehouse off site. And we are bringing boxes there. We are unpacking. We are sorting. We are finally getting back into the into the inventorying and that's very exciting because I just for for example so uh, I'm over there and Ann and and some of our volunteers are, are unpacking stuff and I open this box and say oh my god I've been looking for these for years and these are like these two um, hand carved but fun looking wood one of Chewbacca one of a Tauntaun just small wooden pieces that I got from um, 
geez, one, one of the one of the tattoo guys, and uh, they're now up on the wall, and it's just sort of like a hello, it's a goodbye greeting as you as you leave down the stairs, and it's it's just refining things like that that you know, and I know there's tons of stuff that I haven't seen for five to ten years um that that eventually is going to show up again and that and i mean we're all in the star wars mood now and and you know it's it it can't be as big again um for you know rogue one and you know i'm sure they'll do a good job for um for uh episode eight and episode nine but this was a very to 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 use a word I don't like to use, unique experience. Okay, and it was you know it was coming back. It was wonderful to be in the Dolby Theater, and George got a standing ovation when he was introduced. I mean, you know, it all stems from George, and none of us should ever forget that. Um, you know, whether whether you liked the prequels or didn't like the prequels. Um, whether you want George to be part of episode nine or whatever, <laughs> it 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 all stems from him. He is the visionary who put this all together and made this work, and the characters and and the storyline. And you know, God bless George, and uh, I hope he has a a long and fruitful life and gets his museum built and um, he deserves to be a, a very happy and very proud guy. Well, groundbreaking should happen in the spring here in Chicago for the George Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts. It's going to take about three years for them to build it, but it's going to be an epic destination for Star Wars fans, not unlike Rancho Obi-Wan, an epic destination for Star Wars fans. It's so great to hear, Steve, that you're finding new stuff, uh, well, old stuff, but it's new to you again, and you're putting yep. it into the museum. That keeps the museum vibrant. It keeps it active. And so you have to go back. Every time I've been to Rancho Obi-Wan, I'm seeing new stuff on display. I'm getting a different sense for the the stories you're telling are just so in-depth and so detailed, and I hear different stories every time I'm there. So RanchoObiWan.org. Yeah. Oh, that's because they, they make them up all the time. Yeah, yeah you're just yeah, you're just BSing. <laughs> you never hear the same one twice. I'll tell you, that's, <laughs> that's why. Listeners, what you, did I say last time? Oh, I'll make up a different story of this. Oh, no, listeners, no. you've never seen a guy just pull a story out of thin air like this guy. I mean, he's he can I'm really. Glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you could have pulled an X-rated show. You could have pulled that story from somewhere else. But I mean. Um, Hey, did, did you see the news today? Um, and this may be old news that I'm just catching up with that that Hasbro and Mattel have been discussing a possible merger. I, I saw I saw yes. that too. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Very. very I mean, I'm not the sure. Two th- biggest, obviously, uh, the biggest toy uh, companies. Uh, I think. I'm not sure that the U.S. Uh, would allow that to happen. Is it too big? Uh, you think that's a monopoly? Yeah, well, it's a real. Well, they make it's monopoly. A real, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> talk it's about a, a monopoly! It's, wow, it's, life imitating art. They they'd probably have to get rid of some stuff, but um, you know, especially now that Mattel is also a Star Wars licensee, among among other things. But who knows? I mean, twenty years ago, Mattel tried to take over Hasbro, and there was a huge fight, and there's a book about it, and hmm. it didn't it didn't work. It was uh, very exciting because you know I was involved in a little bit of the reporting on that. That was uh, that was the well, or maybe I had already, or I was just leaving the journal. I think um, when when all that came about. 
in uh, 96. Um, but um, Lego has become such a huge company that, uh, that uh, you know, they, they have – I'm not even sure Hasbro is number two in the world anymore. Yeah. It could be that Lego is number two. Yeah, very well could be. Um, so, um, but it would it would be uh, it would be fascinating. I to, uh, you know, I I put in my order for the Ray Barbie dolls. Uh, <laughs> oh my God! That's right. That's there's right. going to be a lot of cross pollination. If oh, uh, that's yeah, there happen. would be. Yeah, my my best guess is that it's probably not going to happen. But who knows? Stranger things have happened. Steve, but, has there uh, ever been Star Wars Barbie before? I, I something tells me there was. I know they did the Trek. Did they ever do the Wars? No. No, they, they they never got the light. I do have some Star Wars Barbie dolls, but they were made by uh, Club Jade, uh, that uh. wonderful club uh, dominated by wonderful women who have loved Star Wars all their lives and uh, and still and still meet once a year. And, uh, and there was some Mary Franklin was uh, heavily involved in. So, uh, yeah, fond fond memories of that. They, they did this auction in. 1999 or 2000 at uh, Gen Con, and uh, there was um, there were Barbie dolls as Queen Amidala and her handmaidens go Vegas. Well, and of course, you know, Kathy. Yes, very Madonna like. Well, Kathy, (laughs) Kathy here in Chicago makes these outrageous uh, customized. She's the best. The most incredibly dressed Star Wars dolls I have ever seen in my life i've seen them displayed in museums incredible like i said steve i i've seen them displayed in museums yeah in fact we she lent us about four of them for our our star wars exhibit at uh at um, um, Celebration Anaheim, so uh, we were we were very pleased to have them, and uh, they they got a lot of comment. But she's amazing. She, uh, she her her work is uh, bar none the the best that I have seen in that particular area. If you <laughs> she's, actually, she's a great lady too. Oh, she's a great lady, and uh, she's a, a true Chicago chick. And uh, I like her a lot. I see her around all the time. And if you want to see Kathy's work, you can check out this video I did at the uh, Joliet Star Wars Days. It's on our YouTube channel. And her stuff was on display in the museum there in Joliet. I think she should actually, we should commission her to create something exclusive for Rancho Obi-Wan. I've 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 seen that video and and loved it. In, in fact, I've watched it more than once. And uh, yeah, I would love to have one of her pieces here, but... You know she's she's very she's very very creative and you know maybe some someday maybe someday know, maybe if we think great. about it really hard she'll do it I'm gonna pressure her this is Chicago you know I can <laughs> I can pressure her into doing anything that's the Chicago well, way yeah so on on George's museum are there still legal yes things to overcome yes as a matter of fact there was something in the Chicago Tribune just today about this final legal hurdle that the uh, museum has to go through with the friends of the park. And, and uh-huh. they are disputing uh-huh. the fact that th- there needs to be a certain amount of open space on Chicago's uh-huh. lakeshore. And it's because of the parking lot looks so lovely. Oh, right? yes, yes, the, the parking <laughs> and, and And, you know, the thing is, is uh, there's been legislation passed that have really just cleared right. the path for this museum. Right. Most notably because they're building the... Uh, 
the Obama library in Chicago as well. And so right. when they pass along legislation to build that, they snuck in the Lucas Museum with it. And as well they should. I mean, George, what a philanthropist. He is donating uh, $300 million of his own money to build this museum. He is not charging the taxpayers of the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois anything to build this museum he's doing it plus there will be there will be money in perpetuity Um, oh my god obviously there's there's admission there always needs to be admission to museums but i mean it's not going to be anything the taxpayers are ever going to have to put any money out on he has a fabulous collection and and lots of you know, I was involved in in helping write the booklet for the first version of the museum here yes. in San Francisco, and it's just it's a very exciting concept. It's um, you know lots of education and 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 shared programs, and um, you know certainly uh, I I I will I will be amongst the first visitors because I just think it's. Uh, it's going to be uh, an amazing museum, and he has a great vision for it. So I think uh, I think it's all going to be very very exciting. I'm still sad that it's not going to be here. Um, I, I think the president was a little sad too, which is why he didn't renew the memberships on the Presidio board of three of the people who were opposed to it, including the chairwoman. But I, I'm sure, no, I'm sure, second thought that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> sure. Hey, you know, I sure. do have uh, some breaking news here. This uh, actually just broke this evening, uh, a matter of hours ago. Um, you know, my, my comment saying that the, the museum will be breaking ground this spring may not actually happen. This is Chicago politics here, folks. Um, apparently a judge today, um, he uh, kind of uh, dealt a setback to the Lucas Museum. There was uh, a motion to dismiss the lawsuit from the Friends of the Park, but a federal judge today denied the city of Chicago's motion to dismiss a park preservation group's lawsuit, that's the Friends of the Park, aimed at blocking the proposed Lucas Museum, dealing a blow to the project and the goal of breaking ground along the lakefront this spring. I'm reading this from the Chicago Tribune. Um, this was posted, like I said, just a couple of hours ago. So I'm reading this for the first time, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, here we go. Um, Chicago well, I mean, politics. the legality is back and forth. It's, it's just sort of like when George had already for years the go-ahead to build another studio as part of the whole Skywalker Ranch complex. And then um, some of the local supervisors uh, got stirred up by some of the neighbors, and and there were there was more crap thrown at this. And George finally said, "Look, enough," and put out a press release, which was the first, if I can use the letters, "fu" press release that yeah. I've ever seen oh, yeah. released with George attached to it. That basically said, "Okay, this has been all approved." Any any of the other problems that there were could have been worked out very easily, but you don't want me to build this here. Fine, I'm donating the land for low cost housing. Exactly, and that's what's gonna and that's what's gonna happen. They're gonna build housing for teachers and um, and the police and people who serve in Marin County who can't afford 
to live right. in Marin County. Yes, that's so I want to see the neighbors. I want to see the neighbors <laughs> go to court and say, "No, we, we can't have any Marin police and teachers live here." So uh, you know, I don't want that fireman living next door. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, just it's it's, it's, just. it's terrible. It, it's terrible the way they treat him because he's donated so much land back to the county of Marin. He is. Uh, I mean, Grady Ranch. Um, basically, the uh, efforts done by the locals to shut down that whole project pretty much opened the door for George Lucas to leave filmmaking. He, you know, he was building that ranch for a specific purpose, and I, yep. I believe that was to create not only Star Wars sequels but the live action show and uh, everything yep. else he had been talking about. But boom, they they slammed the door shut on him, and it looks like here he's he's getting a lack of respect in Chicago and, too. And, but this is Chicago politics, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and Chicago politics is a lot stronger than um, than the politics in L.A under uh, LA San Francisco under the the current mayor and 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 the way things are here um Rahm Emanuel who who has had his problems certainly in Chicago oh my goodness. um is is a force of nature and um you know if he can't get through in Chicago I <laughs> Just I don't know. He might hang up. Lucas might just give up the whole idea if it doesn't work out here. He's moved. He has moved to Chicago. He has a a a condo on the lakeshore that's worth about eighteen million dollars. It set a record. It was worth more than just raw penthouse space at Trump Tower downtown. He is uh, he is committed to making this happen. You know, he got married. Well, I mean, his wife, his his wife, yes. and her business, and 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 their baby. Uh, you know, they they spend time in Chicago. George still spends some time back here, but most of his time, I think, is spent in Chicago these days. Um, and I, you know, it just and and Chicago will. I mean, frankly, it's a shame for San Francisco because it really would have boosted tourism and brought in a lot more money and all those kinds of stuff. But Chicago has. Three to four to five—I forget what the multiple is—times the amount of tourists every year than San Francisco has, and so it's a chance, and certainly more centrally placed, it's a chance for more people to see the museum and take part in its programs. And it's look—it's going to happen someplace, someday. It's just a shame you have to go through all of this nonsense but uh it is weren't we talking about a weren't we talking about a movie what did you we guys were. think <laughs> well, yeah. they all know what we think and they and, and they don't yes. care they want to know what you think yeah, absolutely uh, but, but i'm i'm curious steve if you felt the impact of the force awakens there at rancho obi-wan in the sense that you're seeing uh maybe some uh, younger folks showing up and saying well where's ray where's finn that's their star wars oh, now. where's ray yeah th- things that well you know what <laughs> Aside from the Monopoly game, there are plenty of Ray things out there. I felt and, the same thing. It's, it's, you know, it's once again, it's, it's the media looking yes. for a story. They, they sort of guessed wrong on the Monopoly game, yes. but this way now I'll have to buy two of them so they didn't guess wrong. <laughs> <laughs> See, they are uh, dumb, but they are but, not so dumb. Yes. And so, and so, yes, there are Ray things, but look, they are, they were very, very aware of of the female audience before this open force friday you go over to a store like kohl's as ann did and there were hundreds of different 
things, uh, clothing and apparel and jewelry for women. They knew that Star Wars had grown into a multi-gender market, and and they were ready for it. It's not like this took anybody at Disney and Lucasfilm as a surprise. The beautiful women stuff, and and, and you have to give Ashley Eckstein a hand for Absolutely. really seeing this years ago, yes, and and laying laying the path for it. But other people have now taken up that path. And and some of this, I mean, Anne came back. She spent so much money on this stuff, and and the it's beautiful stuff. I mean, just I mean the the tops and the it just it's it's great great stuff. And, and the, there's never been a Star Wars movie that has this kind of stuff out in advance for women. And um, you know, and I think it's great. I mean, we saw what happened when Hasbro put out. Um, uh, Amadala dolls yes. for episode one, and they just sat on the shelves. Yes. I mean, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody was interested. It's a whole new world, guys. It's 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 a world that the Twilight and Hunger Games and, and and has made it okay for girls to let their geek show through, and wow, and that has certainly affected Star Wars, and certainly to me, I mean, Ray was by far. The, the central character and the most important thing happening in Star Wars and Daisy Ridley. Oh my God. So awesome. How, uh, how could you, this is a woman who's never done a movie before. I, amazing. The guts and the, and the perspicacity <laughs> of JJ Abrams and the casting people yes. to pick this woman. And she was perfect. I, Felt in love with her almost as soon as I saw her the first time on the screen. Absolutely, I was she. She drove the movie, and and John Boyega was great, and Oscar Isaac even for his small part. And oh my God, Han and and Carrie Fisher. I mean, there was some complaints about Carrie. She was perfect. She was she, fantastic. Was, oh, so great. I mean, it was. I, I just. You know, and and all of Han's just a, a look from Han, just and and I and I must admit the big, the big shocker really did shock me because yeah. I had stayed I was clear ask, of were, spoilers. Were I, you I just surprised when that happened? I sunk in my seat. Yes, yeah. I sunk in my seat and was just really, really surprised. I must admit, I did not find Kylo as nearly as scary as Vader. If I if I had one suggestion in directing that film, I would not have taken off his helmet before his scene with Han Solo. Um, mm. it, it, it's just Vader was so scary because she didn't know what was under there. Um, and and so at the end of Jedi, when you finally see it, it's just this basic old man who's scarred up. It changes the whole nature of it, and. Um, uh, I, I, I wasn't particularly, you know, Kylo, beginning of the movie, he says, you know, like slaughter the whole damn village. It, but I, I still didn't get that kind of scary kind of thing. And it may be my age, although I wasn't a kid when I saw Star Wars, but it, it wasn't the same scariness that I felt with Darth Vader because Darth Vader was more unknown uh, and remain that way to me. So I wonder if he's going to get much scarier 
later on. I wonder if what they're doing is they want to show the trajectory, the evolution of the character, mm. kind of like the anti-Luke in a way. Great point. We saw Luke become more powerful. Yep. Um, and maybe we're going to see Kylo Ren become more frightening. And that could very well be, and uh, and 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 that could be a fun way to go to do it uh, to do it the other way. Because, I mean, he, he, he in in the scene with Harrison, um, he still very much has those human traits, despite how the scene ended. Um, it, it, as I said, it was just it 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 wasn't as his character was not as scary to me. Um, the, um, I, I just, I mean, I felt the excitement of the movie. So th- that was, that was not the problem. And this was not a problem either. It was just different. Steve, you and uh, Harrison Ford, I mean, you guys are contemporaries essentially. I mean, you're both in your seventies <clears throat> and, um, I mean, you were allowed to say that I am proud to have lasted this long. Yes. The disreputable yes. life that I have. Yes. Lived. <laughs> but, but Steve, I mean, so what does that do for the relatability factor when you're you're dealing with Han Solo of a, of an older, a, a certain age, a, a, a more mature Han Solo, as as you are a more mature film goer and Star Wars fan? How, how does that relatability factor work out? Um, Han's character seemed the same to me, but with that added maturity and learning about that very quickly and in a, in in a very, um, precise kind of way, uh, learning about that relationship with Leia, which doesn't surprise you. And it was done so well that you read so much into what had happened in the last 30 years yes um and and why he left and 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 um and, and so i related very much to han but not because we're sort of contemporaries in age it's just i related to the character and to me it was the same character 30 years later um, and, and that's why I liked it so much. And, uh, you know, he was, he was great. He was absolutely spot on I just, in everything he did. I just felt compelled to ask you that because I've heard Lawrence Kasdan make some similar remarks saying, I wrote Han when I was the same age as him back then. And now I'm writing him 30 years later. And it, it took on a different sort of perspective with Kaz. And he is he is definitely different and 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 yet the core hum was there and and the weariness and you know sort of like you know the the, the famous Indiana Jones line, you know, it's it's not the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> but, uh, it's I almost expected that, but um uh, it, 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 there was, there was, I, I can't say there was anything about the movie that I disliked. Um, there are all these characters I'm seeing on top trading cards. I'm saying, who, who the hell was that? There were so many aliens. Uh, and, and that scene in the, in the new version of the Cantina in Mosconada's place went so fast. Yeah. That it did go fast. You, Too fast. You, I mean, holy shit. 
Too fast. Uh, yeah, a little, a little too fast for my liking. I would, yes. have, I would have liked to have seen some of the characters a little more. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's all about story, story, story. Steve, uh, when, what, uh, what adjustments have you made, if any, uh, to Rancho and your tour for those folks that are coming in at a little bit more fresh to Star Wars and really excited about The Force Awakens? Well, we have started a BB-8 corner. Oh, that'll um, work. And uh, we love BB-8, so BB-8 yes. is out. Um, I've got some of my favorite um, Force Awakens um, uh, figures out. We've we've got some of the, the the Disney metal figures, which are so cool. I've heard great um, things about those. I've they're heard. really very nicely made. Um, we've got tons of I love you know me and food products, which <laughs> which to me always says this is how Star Wars became such a part of pop culture. It was. You know, it was on this. It was on the breakfast table every morning. Um, you know, now we have. I have. I have uh, canned uh, niblet corn from Hungary, and um, uh, you know, just like Star Wars water bottles. I mean, water. Uh, they're selling wow. Star Wars water. They're selling. Uh, you know, the Yoda grapes, the Darth Vader apples. <laughs> I've seen the BB-8 um, oranges. Well, the BB-8 oranges I love, so we yes, we've we've got a couple of bags of those. They came in three different sizes. <laughs> no, no. So, so let me let me understand the collectability factor here. When yes. do you throw the oranges away? I mean, do or do you keep them until they actually start looking like Maz Kanata? No, we uh, no, we we eat things, and then I learn my lesson on I uh, I have to open a lot of these cans eventually because. Um, I had a can of a 1999 UK Hans Heinz um, pasta bits in tomato sauce. Oh, man. And one day I come in and I see the can exploded and, <laughs> and ruined, ruined the label, which was a Jar Jar Binks oh. lenticular. <laughs> oh, no, not a lenticular. Oh my goodness! Hey, well, what about chocolate? Oil things. Yeah. What about chocolate? Yeah. How long can you keep chocolate? I actually have a few Star I, Wars collectibles made of chocolate, and I'm wondering if there's any sort of steps uh, I should take to protect what, them. Or what? Re well, no, there's nothing you can do to protect this stuff. Either it's going to last, or it's not going to last. I, 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 I tell the story about my uh, year 2000 Canadian. Large Jar Jar Binks chocolate Easter bunny from It's always Canada. Jar Jar Binks. Always Jar Jar it's Binks. It's still in perfect condition. Wow. Wow. Which yeah. means that it has so many preservatives. <laughs> 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 then, then again, the, my, the, the world famous, my, my favorite item to show off as the worst licensed item ever, the Jar Jar Binks monster mouth tongue pop. Oh, my God. They've all... They've all started melting. Oh, no. So it makes it even more disgusting. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we had, a, we had a volunteer here. I'm surprised she came back because the first day I said, would you take all these tongues out and wrap them in, in, in plastic wrap? <laughs> I tell you, Steve, I, you know, you were talking about unboxing a little bit ago, and there are some of these guys on YouTube doing the unboxing with vintage stuff. Now, and, and my daughter is obsessed with this video of a guy opening up a 1999 Phantom Menace Jabba Glob 
scent. <laughs> and what that slime looks like now. I have, I have that. I, I have that. I can do this. Yeah, Wait no, you can't. Is, is the slime <laughs> what, what still like? Was it sealed? Yeah, it was sealed. He opened oh, it up. It God. was sealed, uh, and uh, uh, it didn't uh, really ooze anymore. It was, uh, um, yeah. Brick you ever had a real bad the... sinus infection? We'll just leave it there. Uh, well, I told you about the, the, the most famous piece was um, uh, a dealer friend of mine had found in the late 80s a 1977 box of Purple Cow cereal, and these the purple cow cereal had uh, these little had these cards in them, yeah. and she said, "I'm going to send it to you just as a gift." I didn't have it, and it was still sealed. Mm. And so, is this I a General Mills? Opened... General Mills? Yes, yes. yes. I yes. remember purple I very, cow. Yeah, I very, very carefully opened the box. I shook it. Didn't hear anything. <laughs> I, I very clearly, I opened the box, and the wax bag. It was a wax bag still inside. Was still sealed. Shook it again, didn't hear anything, and opened the wax bag. And at the bottom of the bag, there was about an inch and a quarter of purple gelatinous glop. <laughs> that the entire box had sort of disintegrated down into. <laughs> marking the card with a deep purple because it was stuck in the glop. And so the box itself was in mint shape, which is what I wanted, and I flattened all my boxes. But this just tells you what you're eating today, 30 <laughs> years from now. Oh, my God. On the shelf may not be so good. And you have to open the soda cans because they will explode. Right. Definitely. And that's uh, bad news for everyone. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Did, did you save that trading card you pulled out of the gelatinous purple glop? I sure did. You did, and, and so of course he did. So it's on the tour. Is it? Is it on the tour? Is it all purple stained? Actually, stuff? actually, no. It's it's somewhere in the. Yeah, it's one of many things that I want to find. I mean, there's so many things to show and find. It's, you know, there's over three hundred thousand items here. Uh, probably three hundred fifty thousand items. It's and amazing. We display we display what we can, and right now the entire Jabba's palace in the back where we we usually have sit-down lunches or dinners is yeah. filled with all the display material that Target sent us back with from our uh, uh, L.A. Live exhibit with Ooh. some magnificent stuff that we're, we're going to be using in the museum and maybe for some uh, shows. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. I'm doing a Disney cruise. With, uh, Bob's coming along on February 20th. Oh, wow. On the Dis Disney Fantasy, and I'll be doing two Star Wars presentations on that. Um, we have uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, which is uh, the old um, uh, used to be called the Wow uh, Show. That's uh, that's actually now been taken over by a group of people, including Steve Wozniak. They're going to combine tech and geek. Um, wow, he's like I mean, he took about tech royalty. Yep, Wozniak. We that's are. We are uh, we are a part of. Uh, I can't give you the specifics yet, but um, we are part of a major U.S. museum show that is called the Collectors, and um, they will be announcing that in a couple of weeks. And we will have uh, a case, a fairly good sized case of great Rancho Obi Wan stuff on display for nearly six months. Oh, um, in the southwest U.S. 
So um, that's another thing. And, then, you know, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. And uh, we, we've got a, uh, a, a May the 4th Be With You event like we did last year, which was a lot of fun. Sweet. And then our big uh, Rovember the 5th gala, <laughs> which will be our exactly on five years since we opened, uh, November 5th, uh, wow. 2011. So November 5th this year, we're going to have our big gala uh, to celebrate our fifth anniversary. Oh, my God. It's already been five years. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. How many tours? <laughs> How many tours in those five years? I'd say we... Uh, tours and events, jeez, probably... <laughs> Five five hundred. Wow. Good, good. Yeah. Star Wars fans are keeping you busy, and they should. RanchoObiWan.org is the place. You go there, you become a member, and then you can visit Petaluma, California, and Rancho Obi Wan for a personal. And the number, the number, the number of tours, the number of people on tours has has increased dramatically in the lead up to Force Awakens oh, and yeah. since. I can imagine. And so, and then you know the the events and you know everything else. So it's uh, it's just a matter we need we need to find a big donor, however, because we need to redo one more building. Yes. and uh, we've got some very exciting stuff that can go in there if we can get a donor to uh, help us uh, out because this is uh, this is money that I don't have and we don't have so well that's why you're we'll going to be hanging with Steve Wozniak that guy could give you that he could probably take care of that with the change in his pocket I'll tell you what from your lips to his ears. <laughs> <laughs> well that's you know that's yeah, that's are, amazing if you if there you are can some do it. people there are some people that you know we're we're working on it but it's it's sure. really difficult I mean we are a 501c3 charity we give away uh, tours to other charities for them to raise money we give away free free tours to school groups and affinity groups um, and so we do our part for the community, but we're mainly here to inspire through the force of imagination. And that's oh, what God. we continue to do and, and hope to continue doing for years and years and years to come. We've started a docent program. So some of the tours are, are done by our, our, our good buddy, Lucas Seastrom, and he's training other docents. So things are, things are moving along. We're, we're really, uh, we're really progressing. You have fancy red coats for him? I'll tell you, the Target guys had these wonderful red jumpsuits, and we wanted to steal a couple. But uh, <laughs> they, they were they were giving us all kinds of stuff. But we, we could we couldn't get one of those. The problem but, uh, with those jumpsuits are though is that they put the Target logo on the back, and the last thing you want is the Target on your back. Um, I'll tell you guys. In addition to all of the stuff that was in the Rancho booth. They've given us the giant Star Wars sign that was at the entrance. That Star wow. Wars letters, plus the giant Target logo. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so we'll figure out some use for that. Hey, and maybe we found our benefactor, Target. Yeah. Well, cough it um, up, fuzzball. They've been, they, they've been really good, and. Um, I love the BB-8s they the, have in their Star Wars section in uh, their toys. Yeah, the so BB-8 is amazing. Trying to get one of those is oh my! God. I heard they're all supposed to be destroyed. Yep, so I hear they're going to have their memories wiped. 
You're not, you're not even supposed to touch one. You know, I'll tell you, we should wipe the memories of the store managers. <laughs> and then... I went into my Target store the other day, and uh, BB-8 is a little sickly. He's uh, not moving so fast, and he's sounding a little. Uh, his his uh, chirps are a little slurred. I think he needs to fix him. He needs a recharge. Fix him. Yeah, yes. He needs to re- tell him you'll 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 be happy to fix him. Yeah, of course you have to take do it at home. Yeah, I'll, I'll right. you know what I'll do it at home. I'll ask for permission later. Yeah, I'm, yes, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's great talking to you, Steve, as it is always. Thank and you, uh, guys, you, you're, this was your big five year anniversary coming up here in 2016. Congratulations! It's Absolutely. really incredible, and uh, there's always new and exciting things happening. So, as Jimmy said, RanchoObiWan.org. That's the place. Become a member, and uh, it is mecca for Star Wars fans. It truly is, and there's nothing else like it. So make sure you get your trip planned for sure thanks thanks guys and you guys take care and uh, let's get us some let's get us a museum built in chicago absolutely steve (laughs) i I want you to come out here i'll give you a personal tour myself jimmy will be a docent out there oh i'll be i'll be a decent docent (laughs) i'd like to be a docent a a decent docent (laughs) yes sir i'd like to be a docent out of rancho obi-wan i think that would be a cool gig it, it it actually is. So um yeah, we're we're the the program's coming along really nice. No, I can't awesome. wait to get back out there. I really can. I miss you guys so much. Say hi to the whole crew for us. We'll do. And uh and like I said, I, I, I plan to make it out there. Hopefully this spring. We'll we'll talk and uh and and I, I just can't wait to see you guys. I love Ranch Obi Wan. I feel I feel the call. I feel the call occasionally, you know. It it says you have to return and because there's so much going on out there. Jason says it's the Mecca for Star Wars fans, and I, I, I have to back him up on that one. RanchoObiWan.org. Steve, love you, man. Take care. Love See you again. guys, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Your source for the Force. In the Star Wars trilogy, the Rebellion fought against the tyrannical empire. Now a marketing empire has us running in circles for a pristine version of a figure 50,000 people already have. Price guides and eBay auctions have us all believing we'll be Steven Sansweets, but we won't. You know, I wonder if Steve ever thought that the day would come when collectibles would become digital. Yeah, you know, I, it, it, he wouldn't have needed the uh, the old uh, chicken barn to be converted into a museum. All he'd need is an app. Right. <laughs> I have all my collectibles on the app. <laughs> but you know, uh, there there is uh, there is some legitimacy to uh, your claim of digital collectibles and they're very real and very awesome and they're available from our friends at Tops. That's right, gang. From Tops comes the digital card trading app, Star Wars Card Trader. Super popular. I know so many Rebel Force Radio listeners who are using this fun and engaging app from Tops. It's so great. You can collect and trade thousands of officially licensed Star Wars digital cards, all of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from all of the Star Wars movies. You can find them here on the app, including, oh man, these incredible digital digital replicas of the 1977 top Star Wars cards. I just got a great book, Jason, uh, from Abrams, uh, recently came out. It's, JJ? Uh, <laughs> no, not J- just Abrams Publishing. Uh, I probably know... Uh, no relation. No relation, no relation. But um, they, they just put out a great book focusing on the old... 
original 1977 top Star Wars cards uh, by a guy who basically ran the whole thing. I, I'm sorry you don't have the gentleman's name right in front of me, but it's a fantastic book. I recommend uh, any fan of the old vintage top cards, check the book out because it is, it is great. It's, it's such a good book. You know, I have to be honest with you. Yeah. I was hoping that we would get some old school wax packs for the Force Awakens. Yeah, there was just I thought maybe we might with the gum and the whole thing, but yeah, it's unfortunate. They, you don't really see the old wax pack. And no I one's doing them anymore. Oh, yeah, you know? I haven't seen it in a long time. Not I missed that time. gum. Oh yeah, that gum. You missed the gum. Terrible. Huh? <laughs> but I, but there was something so good about it too. I it's just one of those things. But, uh, you know, the cool thing is, you know, when we were kids, we had to carry around, uh, you know, uh, albums with the cards or you'd hit you or you'd grab your cards. You'd throw a rubber band around. Did you ever do that? And then all of a sudden you realize that you're getting these little marks on your trading cards. You don't have to do that with the app. Oh, that's true. That is true. You, you, you don't have to worry about having the shoe boxes filled of uh, <laughs> cards stashed all over the place. But uh but I, I got to tell you, oh, by the way, the book is uh, called Star Wars, the original Tops Trading Card Series, Volume 1. It's uh, by a guy named Gary Girani, who's the author of the book. And he was the guy who was the head of Tops, not only Tops Star Wars cards, but all sort of series of Tops cards. He was the guy who organized them and wrote uh, the, the facts on the back of it and everything. You can get it on Amazon. Check it out. It's a really oh, cool to do that. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. Yeah, it's a great book. But uh, back to the uh, Card Trader app. So, you know, super popular. Uh, having so much fun. Uh, every day I play with the app. Every day. We get trades all the time. We, we have trade requests coming in here at uh, Rebel Force Radio. You can find us on the app very easily. Uh, you can collect replicas of those 77 top Star Wars cards, as I was saying. And then, of course, futuristic digital trading cards with all these cool little features. And, of course, Star Wars The Force Awakens. You can find it all at the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. Download it today in the App Store at Google Play and collect digital trading cards from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the Top Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. Alright, let's uh, let's do a voicemail. Why not? Let's do a voicemail. Throw a voicemail at us. Alrighty. Don't I get the uh, listener feedback? In? Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, let's make it official. We want to do that. Uh, we can't just start playing voicemails. Oh. So you must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message, Doctor. The message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with you. It's a trick. Send no reply. Let's make it a good one here. Who do we have? Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jason. Kevin Parrish from North Mississippi. Just got done listening to y'all's podcast from last week. Just uh, had a couple of thoughts about it. Um, I was happening. I was thinking about you know Darth Maul is supposedly making a comeback. What if we get to see Obi Wan again in this end of the season? How uh, you know Obi Wan and Darth Maul face off in the Clone Wars again? Maybe we'll see another face off between them. Um, love the show, Jason. I'm sorry to hear about your cousins. Is there anything I can do? Be glad to help. I'm currently listening to y'all's Rebels Declassified. I love this past episode, Sabine's history and backstory. I noticed that she's from, I believe it was, uh, Clan Wren, 
house Isla. I noticed the rent part. I don't know if that's anything to do with the Knights of Rain. Um, I'm really excited to hear yeah. about Zeb's past and seeing his, you know, thinking he was the last of the sons. Um, come, trying to come out, he's a, he, he's a captain, so should be interesting this next episode, y'all. Have a safe weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. And remember, the Force will be with you, always. All right. <laughs> now, what did, I, I was I, I had a hard time understanding the, the part about uh, Ren. He had a little theory about yeah, Knights of Ren. Yeah, it's um, he uh, heard Sabine uh-huh. uh, refer to herself as being from um, House Ren. House? Uh, no, uh, I think it's or, House Vizsla Clan Ren, and. Um, or, and it, oh, okay. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are getting confused because they're drawing a <clears throat> correlation between Sabine Wren and the Knights of Wren and Kylo Wren. And uh, quite honestly, <sighs> it's just impossible because Sabine's last name begins with a W. It's right. W-R-E-N. There's no relation. Wren, like the bird. Exactly. There's no relation between Sabine and... And Kylo or the Knights of Ren. But I, I can understand how, uh, how how many people are, are drawing that connection. But it's just not sure. there. It's just not there. Um, he asked about a, a bunch of other cool things. By the way, he is from North Mississippi. I say uh, uh, salute to my brother. Salute. You know, of course, uh, is, is I, is I <laughs> Mama review, Mac. My mom is, is from Corinth, Mississippi. So that's right up there, uh, just south of Memphis, up there at the uh, border between, uh, not far from the border between uh, Mississippi and Tennessee. So right. I think at the end he said, you know, he, he said the force will be with you always. But he said it wrong. He should have said the force will be with y'all always yeah that's that's how that always yeah so don't hold back don't hold back (laughs) let your mississippi freak flag fly because i'm all about it here rebel force radio mama mac did us proud she sure did she sure did and the fact that she went and who'd she go with like uh berta her (laughs) yeah yeah she went with someone with the walker and the oxygen tank yeah 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 i just figured the name's got to be like berta i think it was dina Dina, Dina, right? That one. We got another voicemail. Let's do one more. All right, let's do one more. That was really pleasant to uh, hear from Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, and thanks for the good wishes and everybody who has uh, expressed their condolences for uh, uh, my family's loss. I do, I do appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Greetings, exalted ones. Hello, Rebel Force Radio, gentlemen. Thank you very much for all that you do, enjoying the podcast as I work through the uh, New York City snowstorm here. Just wanted to say hello and thank you with a quick question as well. For coming up in the future, Rogue One, it's been announced that uh, Darth Vader will play a better, uh, a more uh, role in the movie than uh, had originally been planned, some sort of uh, action scenes as well. Uh, hopefully, we'll have James Earl Jones' voice, of course. That goes without question. But my next question about this is that, do you think that they will maybe, possibly, if you can take the ego hit of never being actually seen on screen by, you know, the face, the costume underneath being Hayden Christensen playing Darth Vader in Rogue One, but never, of course, you know, being seen himself, but being the actual character underneath the costume. I guess that's what I was trying to spit out some way, shape or form there. Uh, let me know what you think. Maybe talk about it on air. Maybe not. 
This is Sean O. from New York City. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and uh, good luck, and may the force be with you. Jim, I, I think you should take this one because you have uh, spoke quite eloquently in the past of uh, how you feel about the Hayden Vader. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do have some pretty strong feelings on it, and I, I want to thank Robert for calling in from New York. Oh, and by the way, Robert, he did say uh, he signed off with May the Force Be With You. He did it completely wrong. Okay, if you're from <laughs> if you're from New York, you, you say May the Force Be With You guys. Okay. Oh. <laughs> That's right. We're broadcasting in stereotypes here on Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I I've thought about this. You know, I hated Christensen filling that Darth Vader costume. He always kind of fell a little flat with me. He never really had the proper frame to fill out that that armor. And as a matter of fact, I think they compensated for the fact that he was of a slighter frame. In episode three, if you'll notice, the shoulder pads extend well beyond his shoulder <laughs> and they're, they're supersized. And I think that's to sort of, you know, give his slighter frame a little more width. And uh, it, it, it was it was relatively effective in the brief sequence he was seen in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but not enough for me to want to see him actually featured in a film in action as Darth Vader. You have to find someone with more of the bodybuilder frame of a David Prowse. Obviously, David, he, God bless him, he wants to jump back into that armor, but he just is not of the physical shape or form to really replicate what he did for Vader in the 70s and early 80s. He, he, he's not. They, they need to find someone who has the proper build. And I think they've already found that person. And uh, I believe the Vader scenes have already been shot for Rogue One. Um, if they actually do exist. Uh, really? So you, you, you suspect that that... Well, I would imagine much of the movie has already well, been shot. Of, most I mean, of the movie is, is I mean, they, don't we have... I, I was going to ask you about this before. Don't we have... Uh, Toy Fair this weekend? Is this New York Toy Fair? Yes, yes. This weekend, and they have a they have a slew of uh, displayed uh, props and some costumes from Rogue One. Much like at the UK Toy Fair, they also did have a, a display of uh, costumes from Rogue One, and they were relatively nondescript, if you want my honest and you know, yeah, opinion. Yeah. I, I didn't really, and I, even in the the single cast photo we've seen from Rogue One, it's very nondescript. A lot of these costumes are wearing. There, there's really nothing special or even colorful about them, but um, they obviously serve a purpose. Um, I heard that there will be no product reveals for Rogue One at New York Toy Fair, much in the tradition of The Force Awakens, when this time last year we were told not to expect any toy reviews for the new Star Wars film. It's happening again. So they're, they're you know, trying to keep everything under uh, tight wraps. Oh, we before. should be getting a lot of good Force Awakens reveals, though, hopefully. I guess they wouldn't be reveals, but some new waves. Uh, yes. Some new, yeah. yeah I'm I, hoping. I, I, I hope so. I certainly hope so. Kanji um, Club. <laughs> tell that to Kanji Club. But uh, you know, um, they're they're trying to. I, I think you know, follow step by step exactly the way the uh, Force Awakens uh, 
gradually revealed itself to the public and, and the way the marketing was executed all the way down to the actual release date of the film. They're going to try to copy that with Rogue One because they saw it work the first time. They're going to try it again. So expect the same level of secrecy. And also, have you noticed, the spotlight is not really shining that bright on Rogue One right now. So these guys are really working in relative peace. The lead-up to The Force Awakens was leak after leak after leak after leak. I mean, beginning with the, the first shoot out in the Abu Dhabi Desert. Abu Dhabi Desert. Yeah, you take that while I talk about Dorkside. We were talking... What? But I'm just saying that, you know, what have we seen from Rogue One? Not much. Not much. Looking forward to seeing Vader. It's going to not be played by Hayden. Or Mads Mickelson. But thank you for calling uh, uh, Robert. Yes, thank you, Robert. Uh, hey, before we wrap things up, let's talk about Dorkside Toys. Uh, I just got a bunch of stuff. Well, I ordered a bunch of stuff from uh, Dorkside Toys. I ordered the the next three waves of Force Awakens action figures. I am so excited. Uh, I'm going to get my Kanji Club. I am going to get my Han Solo. I cannot wait. I'm going to get my Admiral Akbar, my, my, my Ray, uh, my new Ray. You know, what did they call her at the end of the movie? What's that figure called? Oh, oh Resistance. Uh, yeah, Resistance Ray. Yeah. Whatever. I'm so excited. Yes. I, you know why I'm getting them? I'm getting them because Dorkside Toys. They're the best. The, the latest, the hottest Star Wars action figures, lowest prices around. The Black Series, Star Wars Rebels, Saga Legends, Mission Series, the uh, Pop Star Wars Vinyl. And, of course, as I said, the Force Awakens figures. They've got them carted. They've got them loose. Uh, don't forget about Star Wars Hot Wheels. they got those in there, too. And if you are into the pop vinyl Star Wars, they have a, an exclusive. They have their own exclusive Astromech R2L3 that's only available at Dorkside Toys. And uh, as I say, I just uh, ordered a whole mess of stuff, and I cannot wait, cannot wait to add them to my collection. And Dorkside is just the best. The quality, what you get, and the condition of everything that they ship to you is just fantastic, and we thank them so much of their longtime support of us here at Rebel Force Radio. It's so good to be back. Good to be back here at Rebel Force Radio. Big thanks to Steve Sansweet for hanging with us. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We were Steve for a good long time and getting his reaction about uh, seeing Star Wars. Uh, no foregone conclusion that he was going to go into that premiere. It was a bit of a surprise for him. Good thing that, you know, these poor Californians suffered through that 30-degree weather, huh, Jimmy? Brr. <laughs> 30 degrees. I've seen people in shorts here in Northeast Ohio in 30 degrees. Uh, also, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Harry's.com. Check them out. Use uh, promo code RFR. Also, Little Debbie Snack Cakes, the Tops folks in their Star Wars Car Trader app, and Dorkside Toys. If you'd like to uh, play with us in between shows, please do email Address is show at rebelforceradio.com. Voicemail line 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Follow us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. 
and uh, Facebook. We've got a lot of things going on there. We've got the official Rebel Force Radio Facebook page. You can find it. You can also find the Facebook group. And, uh, you know, I wish I would have it in front of me, but we had a recent post by a fella who's in the uh, Rebel Force Radio uh, group saying, well, I just left another group on Facebook. It looks like it's just Rebel Force Radio for me. Uh, And he went on to talk about just how nice everyone was and accepting and respectful and fun and all of that. And that's exactly what we like to hear. I just think that's awesome. Awesome. So so I'm really proud of everybody there keeping the discussion, especially with the fever pitch that it's at right now with Force Awakens and New Rebels. Uh, a lot of debate going on and, and speculation, but all done in a really fun and respectful way. I just I think it's great. The official website, we got a fairly new website. We're still uh, peeling some of the uh, shrink wrap off of it, rebelforceradio.com. Please uh, go visit and tell us what you think. Uh, iTunes is still one of the best ways that you can subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio. We do ask uh, one thing on those reviews, though. Make them good. And you can find uh, Rebel Force Radio at WGNplus.com. We're streaming there. Also, uh, Stitcher. And just about anywhere else you can find podcasts, you can uh, find Rebel Force Radio. And we're an official friend of Wikipedia. They are the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia. Go to see them at Wikipedia.com. That's two O's and two E's in Wookiee. I see many people spell it like cookie. But no, too easy. You can also find us weekly on JediNews.co.uk, Yodasnews.com, Sandtroopers.com, and the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com. And don't forget about RanchoObiWan.org. Listen to Rebel Force Radio each and every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at SRSounds.com. Happy anniversary, Al John, and everybody there at Sorcerer's Radio. Until next time... I'm Jason. And I'm... Right? <laughs> right? And remember... Right? Remember... Right? <laughs> the Force will be with you. Always. Right? Right?